So the state of California is in its fourth year of severe drought. Some of you may have seen this in the news. And this is putting significant pressure on the farmers of the state. Farmers that are trying to grow oranges, avocados, rice, asparagus, tomatoes, lots of the fruits and the vegetables that, that the rest of us are ready to, to purchase. They're trying to grow them and they're having a hard time because the rain and precipitation is not falling like it's supposed to be. We get rain all the time here in the Midwest. It's sort of an inconvenience, like, ah, oh, it's raining today, it's an umbrella day. Or today, it's a day where I can't ride my bike or something like that. And uh, it's an inconvenience. But what would it be like to be in California and for your livelihood to sort of depend on this force outside of you you can't do anything about? Just waiting for a thunderstorm. And I imagine the farmer's just kind of looking up at the sky like this. Like, I've always dreamed of being a farmer, but where's the rain? And like, maybe I should move somewhere else. And what if it never comes? What if this never works out? I just need it to rain. Now, we're talking about love today and how our love can be can be spent and used for the life of the world by God. When it comes to our love life, a lot of us feel like we're living in California. We're just looking up at the sky with longing and some pain and going, you know, it's downpouring other places. Maybe I should move somewhere else. I can't make it rain. I want it to rain. I feel called to to receive this rain and, and do something with it? Why won't it rain? We just kind of wait like this in a posture of pain and longing and we just wait for love. And we think maybe we should give up on the dream of romantic love. Maybe we should just give up on the dream of children. Maybe we should just give up on the dream of, of waiting for friendships where we can be known and loved. We wait, and maybe we should just give up on the dream of people noticing us and including us like we long to be included. Maybe we should just give up on the dream of being blessed and included and noticed and commissioned by a spiritual father, a spiritual mother. Some of us are in committed relationships, but we still feel like we're in a drought. Like I'm committed to this person, but I don't feel the love. I feel lonely. I feel disconnected. My soul is drying up like a California lake. And I can't be fruitful in the world like, I, world like I want to be. We look at our friendships, we look at our significant others with whom we have all kinds of commitments and we just go, do you really love me? So today we're going to talk about that. How can we be fruitful with our love when we're love starved? Let me tell you what we're not going to do. I am not going to give you a solution to the problems that you're facing. I do not have a special formula for you today. I have only the gospel. But the gospel is good news for parched souls. And we all need to hear it. 
The gospel gives us a bigger vision and a bigger context for our desire to love and be loved. And we need the gospel to interpret the drought. We need it, whether we're in committed relationships and we're feeling a drought, whether we long for committed relationships, we need the gospel. So we have our individual hopes and plans for love. But that can't be what we have at the end. We need actually the bigger vision, the bigger story, the bigger context for our love and our desire to be connected to other people. We need to see how our love is part of God's plan to bring life to the world. Because this is only when we see our love through that lens that we can properly interpret it, not only the drought, but also the opportunities to love. So when we're not getting it, when we're not feeling it, how can our love still be part of God's plan? How can we still overflow by the same power that brought the world into existence, the love between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? We'll do this in three parts. First, we're going to talk about the source of love. Secondly, we're going to talk about the call to love. And then finally, just a few thoughts on the reality of love. So first we'll talk about the source of love. Like, where did this powerful connecting force originate? What's the story behind love? Some of us fear that solitude and disconnection that we experience now or that we've experienced in the past will be our future and will be the future of the world. And that's not the true story. So we'll talk about the source of love, where it comes from, where it's going. And also the call to love. Like, how do we fit into this grand story? No matter what our circumstances are, how, how did we get commissioned to the work of love? What's it for? And then finally, the reality of love. What does it look like for us to really get our hands dirty and involve ourselves in the work of love, in this story, in this grand story? To engage rather than disengage. So first, the source, and then the call, and then... What's our reality after the sermon's over? Now, it's important for us to not miss this because we will otherwise get wrapped up in the immediacy of our circumstances and we will not see the larger story. We will get tunnel vision. And tunnel vision will ultimately blind us to what's actually happening around us, whether on a grand scale or on a day-to-day scale. We'll be so consumed with our longing for love that we'll miss the opportunities to love and be loved that are right in front of us. So it's important that we listen. So first, let's talk about the source of love. Now, many of us are aware that our capacity to love has a history that's rooted in our families. And we can see how we operate in relationships. And we go, yep. That's my dad. Yep, that's my mom. Yep, that's the role I played in my family. And we're like, yeah, my love has a source to it. And some, some others of us can go either, even further back. They're like, yeah, like I've reflected on this on a generational scale. And I can see patterns in my grandparents or great-grandparents, extended family that like, yeah, like I'm participating in that. I don't know how to shake that off. I don't know how to do anything but sort of pass that on. My love has dysfunctional roots. Some of us are aware of that. And it's healthy to admit that. It's healthy to understand it. I want to tell you this morning that our story goes even deeper than that. It goes even deeper than your parents or your great-grandparents, as deep as that is. 
there's something that precedes that, that goes way back. Our desire to be connected to others does not originate with a dysfunctional family. It originates in a very healthy family, a very functional family, a family with abundant love for one another. Their love for one another wasn't possessive. Their love for one another was not codependent. Their love brought about beauty and life for the world, and it was healthy. And I want you to know that. Whether you have walked with Christ for some time or you're still considering the claims of Christ, wherever you are at spiritually, this is the heritage of your love. This is the background of your love. It's healthy, it's life-giving, it's vibrant, it brings life to the world. The family that I'm referring to is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The divine family. Consider, this family is a diverse, yet unified family. They take joy and delight in each other's company. They are a powerful alliance with one another for the life of the world. And what I want to do is just show you a small window into their, how their love for one another brought life to the world. So turn with me to Genesis 1. We'll look, be looking at verses 26 through 28. So beautifully illustrated by the Radicke family. What is the source of our love? Let's look at uh, Genesis 1, verse 26. Just the first three words there. Uh, Sorry, the second three words. Then God said, let us make. Let us make. Now there's an issue with how we responsibly interpret this phrase. Let us make. The verb is plural. The possessive pronouns that will follow are plural. Our image, our likeness. And the text speaks of God talking to himself as if he's not alone. Okay, yet Genesis does not explicitly teach us the doctrine of the Trinity, does it? Now, so we have an issue. Is this the Trinity being referred to or is this something else? Now, if Genesis was only God's only revelation of himself, we should not see the Trinity here. We should see, we should just make up our best guess culturally of why this is plural. Exegetically, kind of our best guess. If this is the only thing we have, but this is not the only thing we have. Genesis is part of a continuum. Genesis is part of an ongoing story which has multiple inputs and multiple authors and multiple chapters. It's a unified story. And Genesis is one diverse part of that unified story. We have John 1, 1 1-14 as a reflection on Genesis 1. John 1 helps us interpret Genesis 1 in a beautiful and poetic way. And in John 1, we learn that this moment of creation is a Trinitarian moment, in fact. John 1 refers to the word Jesus Christ who is with God, the Father, and and the Holy Spirit to bring life to the world. And this is such good news. This is so important that we don't miss this. Because if God is three persons, he is relational. And there is enough love to go around. There is love and honor and trust past in large quantities between these three people. This love is overflowing. This love has been overflowing for all eternity. 
There's no one left out. There's no in-group, out-group. This is a healthy and dynamic and creative family that fully loves one another, that does not manipulate one another, that empowers one another and has each other's backs. One spiritual writer collected a few insights from Scripture about this. Later in Scripture, the father who's cooperating at this moment of creation with his son, the father says over his son, before in a company of witnesses, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And then the son of God shows the same divine humility. He says for all to hear, look to my father, he is greater than all. And then he follows the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, even into fasting and temptation. He trusts the Holy Spirit's leadership. But the Holy Spirit, for his part, keeps pointing people to Jesus and reminding people of things that Jesus has said. So much so that he is known as, in other parts of Scripture, the Spirit of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit continually, even now, cries within our hearts, Abba, Father, and Jesus is Lord, as it says in Galatians 4 and 1 Corinthians 12. My friends, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. There's so much love and honor and trust between the members of the Godhead. There is joy. There is unity. There is delight. There is love. And this is such good news for our hearts who have experienced so much breaking, so much snapping, so much disconnection, and so much codependency. We need to hear about a healthy family, and we need to know that this is our family. What happens when there's so much love and trust between members of a family? Well, look back at the text in verse 26. Let us make. That's what a joyful family says. Let us make. So whenever there's a family get-together on my wife's side, um, there is usually music. Laura and her, three, and her two sisters and her mother sing these beautiful songs with these amazing harmonies. And one of the songs they sing is Down in the River to, to Pray. I'm not going to try it. If I asked them to try it, I would be in the doghouse for a week. Uh, just kidding. But it's so beautiful, and it came out of their love for one another, their harmonies, their songs. There's more of their songs than just down in the river. And I love getting together with their family because I can see how they specifically said, let us make, in the context of their family. In a joyful family, play and work can become indistinguishable as love for each other overflows because it cannot help itself. Harmony and necessary value and unnecessary uh, value mingle together and mix together. That's what happens in a healthy family. You get creative together, whether you're making music, whether you're making tables, whether you're making children. Healthy families bring life to the world. And so the Lord, as a healthy family, says, let creeping things come into existence. Let teeming things come into existence. Let astonishing coral reefs come into existence. Let northern lights be made. Let a universe that expands be made. Let's create galaxies that no one ever is going to see. Let's just do that. Let's bring stars into existence. Let's bring people into existence. Let's let them reflect our unity and diversity Let's let there be beauty and life. Let's let there be order, and let's let there be some crazy things, too, in this creation. Let's create. 
Let's create together. Let us make. We can imagine the members of the Trinity shout, let us make, to each other, maybe at one of their parties. I mean, they were together for all eternity. Certainly there was parties. Certainly there was music. Maybe they had to shout, let us make, over the music, to each other. This is a joyful phrase, not a dutiful phrase. I love the creativity in life that comes out of joyful families. You can pick up on it when you get near one. It's like a fountainhead. So friends, I can't solve your love problems. But I can tell you that this is where you came from. And this is where you are called to go. This is not God saying, I'm so lonely. I need, I need, I need someone to worship me. I need someone to serve me. I need someone to be with me. I have, I'm so lonely. That's what a solitary God would say. Not a Trinitarian God would say. A family that's healthy doesn't say that. How can we take, how can we take, how can we soak up the resources into our vacuum? A family says, let us make, let there be generative, creative energy flowing from our household for the good of others, for the life of the world. That is the source of our love. And that is good news. There's not just a source there's also a call. There's a role for us to play. There's a commissioning on every man, woman, and child to love in this way. So God's love brought life into the world. God has commissioned us to love and be loved for the life of the world. This is the anointing on us who are made in God's image. This is the blessing upon us who are made in God's image. No matter what our love life looks like, this is our call. This is your call. No matter what your love life looks like. So verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So the image of God has many dimensions. We're not going to explore all of them. Here's one dimension of it. Diversity and unity mingling together. So you have two different sexes, male and female. They're different. They're diverse. And yet they're unified. They're both human and they belong to one another. They're made for each other. Their gender, their sexuality, was designed to pull them outside of themselves, outside of themselves, so they're not solitary, so they can be connected to another person. And that itself would lead to overflow. That itself would lead to being fruitful in the world and multiplying. And then verse 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God is saying, follow my pattern. Enjoy one another's company. Take delight in each other's company. Covenant together, bond together, and multiply yourselves for the life of the world. This pattern of overflow is reflected in human love and the family. And God's abundant love has been written into our story. Our story allows us to be connected outward. Has there been 
an overemphasis in the church on the family. Yeah, there has been. That's totally fair. It is possible for churches to cross the line and idolize the family rather than support the family. The nuclear family with a mother and a father and children. No doubt about that. What I, wanna, what I want us to not miss in this text is that supporting marriages and families is not an end in itself. That it has a purpose. Healthy families and marriages bring life and abundance in the world in a unique way and that is written into our coding as human beings, not by accident. So let us support the call to holy marriage and family. Let us also support the call to holy celibacy. It is a high calling with its own unique freedoms and challenges, and it brings life to the world as well. Let us as the church also affirm that call, lift it up, honor it, and support the call to holy celibacy. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has brought not only a human family into existence, but also the family of God, which includes friendships, creative partnerships, spiritual mothers and fathers, spiritual brothers and sisters, spiritual grandfathers and grandmothers, or as we call them, godmothers and god, god, godfathers, and, you know, but it extends beyond that. The love within the church is good. It reflects the Trinity, and it is designed to be abundant for the life of the world. So God's love and life and abundance uh, is abundant and brings life into the world. And as people made in God's image, our love brings life and abundance into the world. Our love is good. We are made to be loved. We are made made to be known by others. The cry we have to be connected to others in romance and friendships draws us outward, and this is good. So we have the source of love, which is abundant and healthy, in the life of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then we have the anointing and the call to love, whether it be in a human family or the church family, whether in friendships, creative partnerships, it is good for us to be connected and to take joy in our relationships. Finally, there is the reality of love. This is where we get our hands dirty. This is the steps that we take. And I have just a few things to say here. You know, Mary, in our gospel text, said yes to something hard. Love is hard. Love is not clean. Love is not easy. Love is not simple. Love is complicated. And when you say yes to love, your life gets turned inside out. And that is true whether you're entering into marriage whether you're having children, whether you're into a friendship, whether you're entering a church. You are coming out of the safety of your solitariness and you're saying yes to something that is hard. And so in many ways, it's like going like this where our posture is like, just send the rain. I'm just longing for something to come down and rain on me. This is a posture of worship and it belongs pointed at the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But sometimes we need to go from this posture to this posture where we are no longer looking up to the sky for love to rain down on us. We actually get our hands dirty in the manure of life. And that is what love is. Not original with me. This is in the series for the life of the world. If you watch the videos, you'll see it portrayed in a really beautiful way. 
Human love is manure-like, okay? It is messy, and it supports fruitfulness. Whether it's in friendships, or whether it's in romance, whether it's with a church. And Mary, when God, from on high, said, Mary, I want to bring life to the world through you. You know what she said? She said, yes. And she got her hands dirty, and bearing a child that brought her and her husband an incredible amount of shame. But she said yes to the abundance. She said yes to the life. She said, she said yes to what the Holy Trinity was bringing forth into the world. And she was never the same again. Turned her life inside out. Turned her life upside down. When the Lord calls us to get our hands dirty in the work of love, he is calling us to say yes to something that is not safe. He's calling us to say yes to awkwardness. He's calling us to say yes to risk. He's calling us to say yes to imperfections. He's calling us to say yes to moments of silence, to service, to sleepless nights. He's calling us to get our hands dirty in the soil where love grows, and love grows in soil. So, Here's a few ways that that might look. That actually might mean you need to get out of a relationship that you're in because it is dysfunctional and it's not life-giving. Sometimes the Lord does that so that when you do say yes, it means a lot more. So maybe there's a relationship that you're in that you're actually not called to be in. Maybe you need to say no to it. It also might mean that there's a relationship right in front of you that you need to say yes to. And the only thing holding you back is that you don't want life to get messy. You're afraid. You have fears. You have what we called earlier uh, in a different sermon series, a catastrophic vision of the future. So you need to give that catastrophic vision of the future over to the Lord and say, is that actually really from you? Or is that from me wanting to stay in a safe place and not get my hands dirty? It may mean that you, and I know this sounds self-serving, but, but on the other end of it, you'll know that it wasn't. If you're afraid to go to the parish retreat, I want to invite you to sign up today. Okay? If you've been on the parish retreat, you know. You know what makes it so much fun? Is that you do get your hands dirty with other people. You get to know them on a level you would never, you know, you, you're, you're, you're playing against them in ultimate frisbee, and you're sweating, and you're like, <clears throat> you know? And then you eat next to them and burp next to them. That's the soil of love. That's the soil where love grows. Have you ever felt loved with someone where you haven't gotten your hands dirty next to them? It's time to step out of yourself and enter into the risk of love in the body of Christ, no matter what your love life looks like. And sometimes I can't do it for you. You're going to have to do it yourself. You're going to have to put yourself forward. You're going to have to say, hello, my name is. But know that I'm praying for you and that I love you and that I want you to know the love of Christ as expressed in the church. Sometimes the Lord calls us to pursue the heart of another or to let our hearts be pursued by another. Maybe there's a friendship right in front of us that we say yes to. Maybe there's a small group that we say yes to. 
or retreat that we say yes to, or a romantic, romantic relationship that we say yes to. Because of the family we come from, this love is not for ourselves. We will have joy and delight in seeing the creative abundance of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit actually come directly from our love. Final thing I want to say is to those of you who are in committed relationship and it has gone stale, or you feel overloaded by the burdens of it, it may be time for you to return to the joy of that friendship. It may be time for you to retreat and return to the joy of that marriage. It may be time for you to simply stop doing stuff and start enjoying one another, taking delight in one another, listening to one another, because it is out of that place where life in abundance comes from, and it's good. Don't let yourself feel guilty for enjoying a friendship, for enjoying your marriage, for enjoying your children, for enjoying your church. Because it is out of this party-like abundance and goodness that life comes from. It's written into our code, and it is for the life of the world. Let me pray for you now. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you have given life to this congregation and to everyone here. I pray, Lord, for those who feel as if maybe even they've been cursed, and maybe that hangs over them, that I pray, Lord, that you would actually speak blessing over them, and I pray that as they look at Genesis 1 and as they look to your heart, expressed in the bread and the wine, that they would actually know that that curse, that idea of a curse, is a lie. I thank you, Lord, that your blessing is rock solid over them and cannot be spoken over. I pray, Lord, that you would, from this congregation, bring about marriages and children, bring about friendships and creative partnerships, bring about relationships that will last for all eternity, and bring about relationships where there is love that brings life to Uptown and brings life to the world. We pray for ministry partnerships to be born here, even churches to be born here. And we pray this, Lord, in the name and in the re- with the resources of the one who brought us to life, the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.